Now on All Our FM, a report from our community newsroom. You're listening to All FM. I'm George Matlock. In the last few weeks, the Polish community, right across these shores and beyond, have been outraged by an article which appeared in the Belfast Telegraph in mid-September. In fact, one day before the anniversary of the Soviet Union invasion of Poland in 1939. The article that has caused so much consternation has been one which was based upon, first of all, a letter that was published from an academic at the University of Cork, Dr. Kevin McCarthy, in which the author suggested that uh, Poles cannot deny their role in the atrocities of Auschwitz, the German concentration camp during World War II, which was based in the southern parts of Poland. We are now joined on the line by somebody who's taken on the counterattack. That article, that letter, and indeed further articles which have appeared since, or letters that have appeared since, in the Belfast Telegraph. It is Jan Nikwajdowicz from uh, British Polls. Hello and welcome. Hi, George. Nice to speak to you. Likewise. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Jan, first of all, walk us through this. It's not the first time we've had to deal with issues on this programme about suggestions that, that there were Polish concentration camps. The, the language is different here, though, isn't it? This is much more... This isn't about language, per se. This is actually about the so-called facts. Yes, indeed. I mean, it, it's, um, there is a... They do hedge it slightly in the letter. Um, and I have to say, the, the outrage, by the way, is not so much about the individual, because there is always going to be individuals with strange, weird, or totally wrong views. It's about why would such a prestigious, and we are talking about the biggest newspaper in Northern Ireland, why would they print this letter? What, what, was, it, what was behind that and their continued defence? And basically in the letter, um, the claim is that Auschwitz and the other German death camps were put on Polish soil because of the Poles. Right, OK. And uh, the, the suggestion that the Poles were anti-Semitic and therefore that they would help and assist the, 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 the Nazi Germans in carrying out their, their wishes? More, more that we would accept it, because the actual statement sort of says, however, the reason is straightforward, so this is talking about why the camps were in Poland. The Nazis knew that, uh, that Poland with its deeply entrenched anti-Semitism, was arguably the only place under its control that would accept extermination centres. Okay? So what they're sort of saying is, I don't, the letter itself and the debate about it doesn't necessarily say Poles took part in Auschwitz. It's more a case of the fact that we were the only ones which would accept it. Now, obviously, that's totally wrong because, of course, as you know, Auschwitz was first set up to actually deal with Poles. Indeed it was. And uh, not only that, uh, something else which I find surprising about the suggestion is that from my own history lessons, uh, Poland was one of the few uh, countries um, who uh, during World War II uh, had been fully occupied. But what I mean by that, uh, by the Germans, what I mean by that is that uh, there were already governments in places like Hungary and Romania and Bulgaria who were at best uh, ultra right wing. Um, and certainly sympathisers with Adolf Hitler. In a sense, uh, you, you might have thought there were far more conducive places to, to put the, the death camps. Um, the reason, we, of course, it were, they were put there was that they were most centrally placed to take in such an enormous number of people right from around the region, as far away as Ukraine, uh, Belarus, as well as from Greece in the south. Yes, indeed. I mean, roughly 80% of the Jews of Europe lived in a country bordering Poland, so... Poland, and if you want to exterminate the Jews, Poland was at the centre of, it had the largest population on its own, 
and obviously, um, as I say, with all the surrounding countries. And why would you ship the three and a half million Polish Jews, say, to France, or to Norway, or to any other country, it wouldn't make sense. It was a lot easier to ship the few thousand Jews, or in some cases hundreds of thousands of Jews, um, in the main. Obviously, some populations were very big, the Hungarian population, but again, of course, Auschwitz was just across the border, in effect, from Hungary. So it was easy enough, still, to, even with the larger populations, to ship them there. And obviously, we know that the actual Germans were planning death camps in other countries. We have the plans, for example, for the death camp that they were going to plan to set up in Minsk. So it was economies of scale to begin with. Turning now to the response of the Belfast Telegraph to all of this, because it's obviously a very, a very heavily uh, emotional subject, uh, the Holocaust, uh, for everyone, not least, of course, families who've lost people uh, within uh, Auschwitz and other uh, concentration camps. Um, can you tell us how sympathetically has the, the Belfast Telegraph dealt with your complaints? Because I know that you have written to their editor and others, haven't you? I myself haven't phoned them, but I am aware of people from inside the Polish Media Issues Group who has phoned them from the British Polls Project. I'm, I'm actually uh, sort of working with the British Polls rather than actually sort of directly uh, involved. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, their, their attitude, unfortunately, this is the main issue, is appalling because they're, they're sort of standing by the idea that it was right to put this out and haven't given fair comment back. Um, they are actually claiming, because Ipso, uh, that's the uh, watchdog for anyone who doesn't know, has ruled in their favour that the letter it was correct, or, that they had the right, sorry, to actually print the letter, and therefore they're claiming that they've won a landmark victory for freedom of expression, um, you know, which, uh, as I say, is a bit of a joke, because not having seen the, the particular one that they refer to, but the ones I've seen, the Ipso ruling was that it wasn't covered that Clause 12 only covers individuals, not whole countries. Therefore, you can slander uh, or libel uh, in, uh, whole countries, whole nationalities, yeah, if you want to, um, and there is really no callback um, to actually uh, the watchdog. Well, it sounds almost a bit rich to call it even a press freedom victory when there wasn't any press freedom to be discussed. It sounds quite clear, and you're quite right, the regulator doesn't have... Uh, scope to uh, to uh, make a judgment on things which are collective. It has to be against individuals or at least uh, an individual company or somebody who's identifiable within the, the sense of the word individual. It is a very difficult and, and area and it is one that has often caused problems um, for people who wanted to uh, restore the reputation of a community, is that there is nothing uh, that's actually written down to protect communities. It is just about individuals. Uh, and that, So you actually raise a very, very important issue uh, for for pr press freedoms uh, and at a time indeed when press freedoms have been uh, questioned uh, in the light of what happened at News International uh, and the phone hacking uh, scandal. Um, now in terms of um, uh, this it's, it isn't just about um, the response of the regulator is it um, uh, to be lukewarm to, to your protest. It, it is also I believe uh, they've also fueled uh, the, the Belfast Telegraph um, uh, the, the anger of, of the communi Polish community, haven't they, with uh, subsequent publication. Can you tell me about that? Well, yes, as I say, um, they've, got, they've written this, uh, this their own uh, their staff reporter wrote this long article uh, basically explaining the background and, of course, claiming this great victory. And again, repeating in it, though obviously they're, they're not saying it themselves, they're referring to the letter, 
but they do discuss the individual being a distinguished academic. So obviously they're sort of implying that though these are an opinion, by including that, it obviously does sound as though they're sort of backing him and they certainly make him out to be a victim. Unfortunately, he did get, uh, um, get some phone calls which are, and, and letters, I understand, which were uh, wrong and certainly uh, no one involved in British polls or myself or anyone else in the project, we made it perfectly plain that we want to keep this civil. Um, you know, obviously we believe we got right the truth on our side, so there's no need for us to lower ourselves. In addition, the, uh, the, the uh, Belfast Telegraph decided to print another letter, um, this one again discussing um, the situation, but again, because that person hasn't spoken to us, they're actually talking about the second part of the letter where he goes on to give an example, obviously, of the post-war pogrom against Jews as justification for his claims about anti-Semitism. Now, we're not complaining about that. You have to remember... Uh, the, there have been, I don't know how many, I've been copied on almost 300 emails, okay, and only one of those that I recall actually were complained about the post-war pogrom. The main issue is Auschwitz. So again, by publishing this letter, and then yet another article, <laughs> again, repeating the claims about Auschwitz, by doing this, obviously, they've not been very fair in that they've the bulk of the stuff appearing in their paper is basically kind of justifying and repeating the claims. Now, Jan, one thing I wanted to ask you is, um, isn't this become something also of a social media disaster for the Belfast Telegraph? I believe that you're suggesting that they've been taking down uh, postings from uh, people who've read the article and who are incensed by what they've, what they've, been, uh, they've been reading. Indeed, I mean, they're, they're making out a victory for freedom of speech, and to achieve that, um, they got rid of all the comments. Now, I do understand, though I didn't see them myself, uh, that the claims that there were rude and ones and threatening uh, comments have been made. Uh, if that happens again, I want to emphasize it's nothing to do with the British polls or anyone else involved in the campaign. Um, you know, we want to, and, but as I say, yeah, they, they got rid of perfectly legitimate counter-arguments you know, so I, I do feel that they've shot themselves in the foot there with the claims that they're fighting for freedom by getting rid of comments. Now, I've worked in social media myself, and I know that one of the important things of social media, quite apart from publicity and marketing, is actually uh, the way that you deal with complaints and reputation management. It sounds to me, as you say, uh, from this, that uh, it, indeed they have shot themselves in the foot because people will now decide that well, if, they, if they're going to censor comments, whether those who are emotive or indeed factual, uh, there is now a risk that those same people will go online on Twitter and elsewhere and will continue to bombard them uh, in a way that they cannot control. Oh, yeah, I mean, again, um, you know, people have put comments, I'm well aware, against other articles and that, you know, because they wouldn't allow it in one place. Um, using their Facebook account again, um, you know, comments, I, I posted some comments on their Facebook page because they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow the comments on the actual website itself, you know, on the Belfast Telegraph's own website. Well, it sounds to me like the Belfast Telegraph has extolled uh, freedom of press and freedom of uh, speech, and it sounds like they've also got some of it back in return from the readers. Now, of course, it's always difficult when, uh, I mean, this is not the first time we've had, um, uh, shall we say, uh, unusual comments from historians. Historians, by virtue of their, their business, uh, have to uh, challenge sometimes what we believe. And that's how we, we do unearth, uh, you know, the, the facts and the figures and, and, and indeed how, how, we, how we come to perhaps sometimes reassess what we've always 
uh, taken for granted when in, in developments. But um, one example would be, you know, perhaps David Irving, um, who, who also considered to be an academic, who is now a very unpopular right across Europe for his view, which is effectively a Holocaust denier. Um, uh, and yet there are people out there like that. The fact that there are views like that, and indeed um, uh, Kevin McCarthy is entitled to his opinion, uh, I have no dispute with that, but it should, I think the issue here surely must be that there should be balance in the way that a newspaper approaches this. So it's OK to give... Uh, McCarthy or indeed Irving uh, an, an opportunity to speak and to put their uh, version of events across so long as it is also fair to publish um, I would say within the same quantity and within the same uh, the same size uh, a, 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 some an alternative view to, to that and let people decide for themselves. Oh yeah I agree with you I mean uh, for example the second letter I was referring to I think it's got like eight paragraphs in it um, obviously, the two articles, I don't know how many paragraphs in, but they're very long. The only rebuttal that I'm aware of that they've allowed by, uh, is actually by the Conservative Friends of Poland, um, and that consists of three paragraphs. Um, so, okay, so yes, they've given, the, the they've, problem is they've, they've gone down one route. They're trying to defend a particular position, and obviously that makes them seem as though they believe what, what was actually said. I'm surprised also that they've given the uh, airtime to, uh, in this case, a particular political party's um, Polish community faction, uh, such as uh, Conservative Friends of Poland, um, rather than to the Polish ambassador uh, in the United Kingdom, who, as I know you've told me, um, ha has also written to uh, in protest at, at this at this this article. Um, I'm I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised indeed. Um, there's been no other than that. There's been no other response has there from the Belfast Telegraph's editorial. No, not, not that I'm aware of in a positive uh, or a way to make us feel that our, our protest is understood. As I said, if I've only been copied on half or a third of the complaints, should we say, we're probably talking, well, I, I would say that they probably received over a thousand complaints, mm -hmm. I would guess, based on what I picked up as uh, I can show you if you were to challenge me, almost 300. So I'd be fairly confident in that number. And that's, so that's a huge outpouring, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and obviously what they've, they've dug their heels in. Now, I have to say, we, we made a mistake. Uh, and the we is a kind of royal one, includes the ambassador. We went down the route of actually kind of trying to demand that the letter be withdrawn. Now, in hindsight, that was a mistake. Um, I do, do accept that. But so the tactic should have been more to try and get into the paper. And, of course, I guess we got their noses up, so to speak, you know, and they kind of dug their heels in as a result and are trying to, you know, rather than perhaps we. So perhaps it is a little bit our fault that they haven't engaged with us. But you would have thought with the volume of protest that they would understand how sensitive an issue this is. OK, well, I think you're, you're certainly right about um, perhaps your response initially was uh, on the wrong foot. And um, unfortunately, you're now paying the price because you're quite right. The editors will simply turn around and say, well, we've now got all the ammunition we need to, to, to stand by what we've said. But it is still unfortunate that they're not uh, extending an olive branch. A lot of their readers are Poles anyway in Northern Ireland and that they don't see the value in trying to uh, appease. Uh, and uh, essentially, they're not there to campaign. They're not, they, they, they might want to think that they're like the newspaper, The Sun, but quite, quite honestly, they're a regional newspaper. Um, I don't read them. I'm in London. You know, they're a regional newspaper and uh, they need to be representing their region. And that means all the people who read it and not just some. Um, and in this case, somebody who's south of the border anyway. Um, so <laughs> why they're going quite such, such lengths, I, I, I really don't know. But um, one thing that, to, to be fair, and this isn't uh, both to the, to, to the, uh, to the 
uh, Belfast Telegraph, but also to uh, pretty much any other commentator, it cannot be denied, uh, and they do have a point, they cannot be denied that there were at least some uh, Poles who did collaborate uh, with uh, with Nazi Germany. And I have to bring in a, a very uh, poignant example of uh, an interview I once uh, carried out for another radio station, Radio Hey Now, about 10 years ago. Uh, it was with one Lord Greville Janner. Now, back then... Uh, he was um, the chairman of the Holocaust Foundation, and um, we were interviewing him uh, about um, how he had managed to secure funds from uh, Gordon Brown, who was then the finance minister in the UK, uh, to uh, send children from the UK to Auschwitz to see for themselves how uh, the atrocities took place and what exactly went on 70 years ago. In reality, a very noble and very, uh, very positive uh, initiative indeed. Um, no question about that. But I gave him a few examples of where sometimes that might go topsy-turvy. And he got very defensive, very upset that I was even challenging uh, the, 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 the idea of sending children over there. Uh, and I think he, he kind of missed slightly the, the point I was trying to make about the fact that it's very difficult to vet children and prepare them psychologically for going over there. Um, it, it turned on uh, in, in, in the conversation, it was a, a 10, 12 minute conversation, uh, to Lord Janner actually saying, well, we know that the Poles collaborated with the Nazis. And to which I actually asked him in that programme, and I remember the interview very, very well, um, do you mean all Poles? And he just would not um, clarify that point and he would not make it clear. Now, it's a very unfortunate position that he took. He dug his heels in as well. And it made him uh, sound as though he was suggesting that it's a fact that Poles were with the Germans. Um, and uh, it, But it's not an untypical view. Um, it, I, I've come across this um, in, Ju in Jewish uh, circles. I've heard others who have expressed this opinion as well. It is a deep-rooted uh, issue, and it's one that we've covered on All RFM uh, on the London Bridge programme many times um, with various um, commentators, that there is this, this uh, element uh, within a, uh, our, our wider community in the UK who do believe that the Poles sided with the Germans. I think you raised some good points there. I mean, for a start, just to, from the letter that was printed on our side, it points out the Israeli War Crimes Commission indicated that less than one point, sorry, 0.1% of the Polish population collaborated. Okay, so if the, you know even Israeli-based stuff says it was a very small level of collaboration. But as you as you pointed out, yes, there was some. Yadvarni is obviously the most famous, you know, uh, example. Um, but again, when you look at that, there's also this case of airbrushing the Germans out of history. I mean, again, when the, when the BBC talked about the, that massacre, they talk about the Nazis and their local collaborators. They don't talk about the Germans and the Poles. They, you know, they put the actual blame, they shift in it out. So again, it's always these days, or in many, many cases, should we say not all, but in many cases, it's Nazis doing bad things in Poland, and increasingly Nazis doing bad things in Poland with Polish help. You've got a, a Facebook uh, account that you've set up, uh, or a campaign page. Uh, yeah. What are you hoping that people will do? How do you hope they will now respond to all that they've heard? Well, uh, uh, just to uh, get in touch with that page, we're in a slight state of limbo, because originally we were planning to escalate things. Unfortunately, the people who went to Ipso went against, my, against our wishes in a way, because we knew they'd rule against us. We knew they would be kind of there for this kind of reaction backfire from the paper. Um, so at the moment, um, there are several appeals going through. Uh, so we're still going through a process at this stage of trying to work out what is the best tactic. Um, so we don't want to rush it now. Uh, originally, obviously, had, had things been slightly different, we would have gone down one route. Now we're having to think, okay, 
the, you know, the paper's going down that way. What is the best way to get a result? So at the moment, if people could just get in touch with me or the British Polls, uh, we just go on Facebook, put British Polls in, uh, communicate through that page or through the Polish Media Issue Group. They've got their own Facebook page. So there's plenty of ways to get hold of us uh, through Facebook um, or just simply Google, uh, Google myself or the Polish Media Issue and you should be able to get hold of uh, uh, us or go to the British Polls website. Um, and again, use that to contact us. And uh, obviously, once we have made a firm decision on what's the best way to continue this protest, uh, we'll inform all the all the supporters, which I say is into is hundreds and hundreds. Well, on the Facebook page, you know, into the thousands. Now, the, just remind people what is the uh, the actual if they want to read the the full article and see some of the other comments that you've made. Uh, what um, are, what is the the correct name for the uh, the, the the page? Is it uh, Bombardujemy Belfast Telegraph? Uh, I believe so, yes. I'm sorry, I got on the screen. So, um... That's what I've got here. So, OK, one historian by the name of David Cesarani. He's a, an English historian who specialises in Jewish history. And I think, actually, his quote is incredibly telling and I think very much worth uh, um, uh, highlighting in this programme. Um, he's quoted as saying, The camp was, in fact, in a part of Poland annexed to Germany and was a German creation. Before it was expanded and adapted to include a death camp devoted to the mass murder of Europe's Jews, tens of thousands of Catholic Poles died there. The camp's initial function was to terrorise the Polish population. So on that thought, um, we've run out of time. Thank you very much for joining us, Jan Niechwajdowicz. Good luck with the campaign and keep us informed how it goes. Okay, thanks, George. Okay, have a good day. Best to all your listeners. Thank you.